This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. There he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave and inside the Mellon Law Studio, protected by, of course, Crime Prevention 24-7, 365, and... Mellon Law, as you know, is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators. And on the spot cleaners, one of our great uh, supporters, always go to them to get your cleaning needs taken care of. Style Cuts is the official uh, style cut barber of our show. RR and Construction, a longtime friend, uh, can really help you out and shoot GTR, which is um, a great safe range to shoot at. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's. Uh, Fun to be with you. We appreciate the donations that come in once in a while from some of you. And uh, if you go to the wardscottfiles.com website right now and uh, look for, uh, you'll see a spinning circle. And production just explained to me what's going on with that. Since YouTube uh, replaced our uh, or took down our channel, that spinning is us looking for a link. We'll try to correct that uh, later today. So it doesn't annoy you. Uh, we're not going to appeal to YouTube, and I'm going to cover some more about censorship today with these platforms and help you understand a little bit more of what's going on. Um, also, um, we we um, want you to go over and patronize Rumble or Vimeo. Vimeo and Rumble both broadcast us, and Rumble, I know, is broadcasting us simultaneously right now uh, as YouTube used to do. Uh, so we're there, fine, and follow us on um, a Rumble and be aware of these other platforms. And, of course, uh, patronize uh, our website. Uh, it's incredible the number of uh, people we have out there visiting uh, the Ward Scott Files in one form or another, either to the website or on one of the various platforms. So we appreciate the fact that uh, some of the notes in the bottles do get out. Um I want to go into the local stories a little bit here and follow up with you on one which has come to my attention. You know, the research team, as you know, uh, you can tell from reading about them on the wardscottfiles.com website or listen to me reference them, is uh, made up of you. <clears throat> People like you who uh, watch and listen and um, contribute tips or leads or uh, documents and from time to time as uh, you are uh, involved in your own interests. Uh, one of the things I got uh, received yesterday unsolicited uh, was a tip that I'm going to follow up on. Uh, I want to share with you, however, this tip and I want to preface it with the fact that everything I'm about to say I haven't validated yet, but I have gotten it from very reliable people who are very, very 
uh, uh, trustworthy sources who have um, um, seen this with their own eyes, if you will, which I have not seen, but now they tell me about it. I'm going to pass this along to you because really it seems as if the last few days the show has primarily been dealing with oh misinformation in one form or another. Either you're being misinformed in the conventional media or uh, you're being uh, exposed to just one acceptable narrative and you know that we've been disciplined, if you will, and thrown off of YouTube for being a, uh, disobeying their community standards, which they never give you the example. They never explain. I want to get into that a little bit more today. Um, but there is a story that's kind of cool off for right now that was a very, very emotionally charged. Uh, the race card was played and a lot of furor and a lot of uh, people talking about something about which they knew little or nothing. And that is the uh, incident where um, a, a, a person named Bradley uh, ran from the police and supposedly um, lost an eye to a police dog. Well, that's been the only version of that story that I've heard. And um, it's difficult to get documents. Well, you can't get documents when a case is considered still open. But I'm getting this from people who have seen the documents. And so I'm going to pass it along to you. And I'm going to say it's only alleged on my part because I, I, I haven't seen them. But I trust those who have who have passed this along to me. And throw your mind back to all the furor that surrounded the so-called uh, canine incident with the fugitive who hid in the bushes, who uh, lost an eye due to the canine dog. I even had a specialist on the show uh, who had handled canine dogs for Lodgeville County Sheriff's Office. Uh, that show is archived, although you can't see it on YouTube. You can see it on our Vimeo and our uh, Rumble archives. So um, the um, what I'm about to tell you, I, 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 I hope I can see myself sooner or later, but this came from people who supposedly have seen this, and so I'm going to say this is allegedly what they have seen, and that is that the fugitive, Bradley, did not lose his eye from a police dog bite. He lost his eye. He ran into the hedges. And a hedge twig poked his eye out. Now, supposedly, yeah, that's what I've been told, that the dog did not bite the victim in such a way that his eye was lost from the dog. When he ran into the, when the victim ran into the bushes, obviously, hurriedly, he caught an eye on a twig of the hedges. And supposedly in the picture in the criminal file, you can see the twig. You can see the branch at the moment these pictures were taken at the crime scene. I just sort of set, pass that along to you. 
I haven't seen the pictures myself. So I'm saying all this is alleged, but I'm saying it's coming from pretty darn good uh, sources, some of whom have actually seen it themselves, who have been involved in police work at one time or another and canine dogs. So what does that mean for us, the public, that we get this type of story told to us? I'm following the little arrow production, so please stop if I, I watch it instead of me. Uh, what does that mean for us, the public, from whom you may have discussed, with whom you may have discussed this incident, and um, found yourself dealing with the information that really got passed along, did it not? I didn't ever hear about this until I got this tip from a member of the research team. So we're going to check that out. I wanted to put that in today's class. Uh, it makes sense. It makes sense if you run into the hedges and the hedges, particularly if they've been trimmed recently, as these might have been, they have sharp edges on them and you're discombobulated and panicking. And then the dog might have complicated it in that you might have fought with the dog and in the process of doing that, poked your eye on the stick. But the word I'm getting is the dog did not remove the eye. So we'll try to follow this story and see if this is actually the tip. It's right now from whom it came. I'm putting a lot of weight in it, but I'm still going to use the word alleged. But I think it's a kind of sets the tone for what we will be talking about today. Um, the other thing that is related to this, of course, is a story that we've been covering and the country has been covering, and that's Brittany Griner's use of hashish. Uh, uh, and, and, oh, yes, I'm getting a communication here from a listener. The civil suit. We don't hear anything more, have we, about the civil suit against the police department for not being able to control the canine dogs. That suit has been hush-hush, has it not? We've not heard any more about that. Now, another question which is coming in across the transom right now is why is this allowed to happen? Why is this misinformation not been, the record not been set straight right away? I don't really have a good explanation for that either, except to tell you or remind you that the police department is, has been politicized. The police department operates at the behest of the city manager who is an interim. Therefore, that city manager can be reasonably surmised as nervous and is influenced by perhaps being fired. It goes without saying that the Gainesville City Commission is completely out to lunch, so to speak, and is totally woke, as we say, and plays the race card and succumbs to all the progressive left stuff. 
So it's reasonable for a reasonable person to conjecture at least that the reason it's not discussed openly is because of politics, that the Gainesville Police Department has been politicized. And it is under the influence of the narrative sponsored and sustained by the so-called progressive left and the woke. And woke means you have to confess. It's really like going to see the priest. You have to confess in order to be woke. You have to confess that you are a racist um, and that you are um, guilty of sins simply by your race being white uh, and all the above. So this is, uh, this is the, uh, the whole gist of everything that's going on in these progressive left commissions, if you will, of which Gainesville is a prime example. So nevertheless, this also is playing itself out, as I began to say, until I got a couple of messages here to remind me of some things about the canine instance, uh, about Brittany Griner, who claims that Oh, she forgot she had to hashish oil with her and uh, that she didn't mean to take it in the country. The big question is, what was she doing with it in the first place? Hash is made from the can. I'm reading this off a couple of uh, research sites. It's a uh, made off the cannabis plant. It's uh, it's, uh, uh, it's a heavier form, much heavier form of um, of uh, cannabis than cannabis itself. Uh, short-term effects that disrupt hearing, learning, memory, difficulty, thinking, distort perception, uh, the whole bit. So, you know, the glassy red eyes, the whole bit. Why would anybody want to use that? Let me go to the other. Um, this is the bigger question. Is hashish legal in the United States? Uh, We'll take a look at that. Um, it is not legal in the United States. It is, and I'm going to take a look at the other side here too. So what is this person doing with a drug that's not legal in the United States? Is there any explanation for that? Uh, let's take another look at another website here. People often view hash as the same as marijuana. However, particularly in the state of Florida here, it has got serious penalties. You check it out, you research it, and you'll find that hashish is a not legal. And some states, it's a, a third-degree felony to possess it. So we have to ask ourselves, what what is going on with Brittany Griner, in the first place, using hash oil, which is an even greater concentration of the hallucinogenic qualities of cannabis, when it's not legal here, why would you have it? And it may be some, I don't think it's even legal in California from what my research people told me. Um, it is, it is pretty much uh, frowned upon legally everywhere we go. What's what's she doing with it? 
So here's another thing that I pass along to you. It sort of goes hand in hand with the dog didn't take the eye out, the stick on the hedge did. Uh, the, 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 the person going into Russia, Russia had it right. I mean, Russia is just more severe when they catch you. They don't have this permissive policy here in this state, the United States. But in Florida, if she'd been caught with this, there would have been a penalty. There would have been a legal uh, penalty, albeit not as severe, certainly, as Russia's. But it's a, it's a no, no, no. Now, this has all been uh, kind of swept under the rug, has it not, in this rush to uh, applaud Biden's efforts to bring back the athlete who broke the law there in Russia and would have been breaking it here in the States. So that is also of real keen interest to those of us who are uh, asking questions about where we get information, uh, how reliable that information is. Is the information uh, something that uh, uh, really we need to know and, and is fair to know? I would suggest to you that it is. it would help us to know that uh, the eye was not removed by the dog, but was removed by the stick, wouldn't it? And, and then the larger question is, well, why has the record not been set straight? Why, why is there this, well, by lack of information, misinformation? And why is the squeaky wheel getting all the grease? Why is it that somehow the original violation of Griner going into Russia is not pointed out to, to would also have been a violation here? And yet this person is the one who wants to protest America. Well, there are a lot of things coming out now about the control of information. And the word on the block here uh, of, the, of those of us who have suffered from it uh, is um, if it were not for Elon Musk, maybe we would never know uh, what is going on with information and misinformation and and a, and, a, and a particular narrative. Um, just to give you kind of a background here, uh, we've done a little research on this. Um, these are now becoming known as the Twitter files. Um, and this is the thing that Elon Musk is involved with. Uh, the disclosures uh, reveal that uh, uh, members of the Twitter's trust and safety department and this is looking inside of Twitter that we would not have been able to do until Musk became the owner. Uh, the members of the something called Twitter's trust and safety department did not believe that the former president violated any rules on the day that he was banned. The Ward Scott files cannot figure out what rules we violated that result in our being banned. The, the strange thing is they take down all the shows. Well, all the shows could not possibly have violated. Could they? You watched them. You listened. 
you've been participating. All of the shows could not have possibly, could they, have been violations of quote unquote a community standard, you would think. So uh, other employees inside Twitter, though, and this is looking inside their own structure, uh, viewed Trump as a leader of a terrorist group, and they were the louder people inside Twitter's discussion about whether to ban or not to ban Trump. You know, I don't know if there was a loud discussion inside YouTube about whether to ban Ward Scott or not. But I have to think, you know, it it must mean I'm doing the right thing. I must be some sort of threat to something. I'm certainly not the leader of a terrorist group. So here were the tweets that the Twitter uh, Twitter employees uh, that prevailed uh, wanted to characterize an incitement. One was where Trump said uh, 75 uh, uh, million American patriots had voted for him. He tweeted about that. Another tweet, he said he wasn't going to attend the inauguration. Uh, And those two things of the radical progressive left inside Twitter said were codes to incite violence. Coded language to incite violence. Boy, if anybody should know about coded language, it's the left. They speak in codes constantly. So furthermore, the people inside of Twitter who did not want to ban Trump made the note that former heads of state had been allowed to remain on the platform uh, despite far more clear-cut violations of the so-called standards. Uh, one was the uh, uh, a Malaysian prime minister who said Muslims had a right to kill millions of French people for the massacres of the past. That did not get taken down. Um, that was not a violation of community standards. There was an Ethiopian prime minister who called for Ethiopian citizens to take up arms against the country's Tigra minority. That didn't get taken down for uh, a violation of the community standards. Um, So clearly, uh, those of us who are the subject of these things, it can only be concluded that we are uh, hitting a nerve. Somehow we're hitting a nerve that the left wants to have protected. Um, And what the Twitter files, according to the Wall Street Journal's analysis today, have exposed is a powerful class of like-minded people who control and limit the flow of information to take advantage of their own progressive agenda. We've known that for quite a while. Now, I don't have an agenda. If there's a progressive point of view that makes sense, I'll, I'll go along with it. It's just that I haven't found any that makes sense. I'm perfectly willing to listen to it, but I haven't found any. Uh, so according to the analysis and commentary by the journal today, uh, for those of us who are 
the subject of this sort of scrutiny, because we're out on these tech platforms talking to you about community issues, uh, the Twitter files that Musk has brought to light really are telling us nothing new. Uh, for us, there's no revelation, shocking revelation about government censorship or a covert manipulation of political campaigns. That's, uh, believe me, there, there's nothing new to me about that. Um, you know, it is, it's just the way it has been in this country for quite some time now. I think it started with Obama when he deliberately hired a fiction writer to write the narrative for the nation's events and feed that out to the media out of the White House. Um, the, uh, the expose, though, the, the, the journal says, does provide a valuable picture of what the minds are like uh, of the people who make these decisions. What, and I'm going to get in that. I'm going to get into that, expand that for you. What is the mind like of a progressive left believer? Uh, what is it? How is it? Uh, you, their, their, their brain and thinking process is put together um, because they view themselves as cultural elites. Uh, they are epistemological, progressive ideology. The city of Gainesville is just fed up with them because the commissioners generally come off the University of Florida culture. Um, the, um, so we must be doing something important or we wouldn't have created such a, uh, a response. Uh, there's a, obviously what they're telling me and they're telling people like me all the way up to Trump is that there's no room for legitimate dissent. Not only is there no room for legitimate dissent, there's no room for legitimate discussion because the discussion will violate a community standards. So these people, these progressive cultural elites, uh, um, don't want to listen to a differing opinion on, say, immigration, uh, taxation, affirmative action, uh, voter irregularities. Not only do they want, not want to listen to it, but if you poke them and ask them to listen to it, then they shut you down. Now, so I'm really kind of flattered by the way YouTube has responded to me. And I think it's interesting that I'm sort of a, an indication here locally of what's going on nationally. And uh, nationally, the people in control of the flow of information, the argument can be made that there's only one acceptable belief and that is the only one that is tolerated. Anything else is morally contemptible. They have set themselves up as the moral elite. So they have become the controlling authority. And I can't emphasize this enough. For those of you who are watching the show, I very much appreciate the fact that you tune in regularly and watch this show uh, because you see what I'm trying to do with it. 
you see what I'm trying to keep you informed about. Um, it's, it's, um, it's, I'm just trying to catch it my own show myself right now. And I have to take a moment. I'll do that maybe over the break because I can't see um, who is um, on the chat line right now. But um, um, let's see what we got here. Anyway, I'll catch it up. I'll catch up. I'm going to do it. I'll have to hunt for it. But um, so I'll hunt on the chat line at the break. But I, I can tell you that you have to be very careful about what you're believing because now we have a whole generation of people, the Wall Street Journal says, who are occupying positions of influence in the universities, in the city commissions, in the news media, in Congress, in the White House, in the FBI, in the Department of Justice, Homeland Security, who think they have the correct version of the truth, knowledge, and opinion. So we'll keep chipping away and see if we can offer some sort of reasonable alternative to that belief. Ward Scott on the Ward Scott Files. We're going to take a break and be right back. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner. On the right side of the page, or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth. All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. 
Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Going to do Ward's weather report. Thanks to Lewis Oil, great sponsor. We need all the sponsor we can get. We appreciate the Lewis Oil sponsorship, of course. And uh, you know the weather here is pretty pretty mild. In fact, well, we expected rain here in the Piney Woods in North Central Florida, and we didn't get it. And we thought we'd get it, so we had to go to watering, believe it or not, in the Florida of all places. But um, the rest of the country, we've got a mild day going uh, in the 50s uh, this, mo- this morning, about up in the 70s today, which is wonderful weather, really. But the major story is the major winter storm. And, buddy, it is really a storm. It is uh, shutting down the west with dumps of snow, five feet or more, shutting down interstates. Uh, this weather system has been named uh, Weather Storm Diaz by the Weather Channel. And it either is going to kick off some severe thunderstorms in parts of the south, probably not us, uh, probably across the heart of the south, which would be Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia. But in the Rockies, it is producing uh, a lot of snow and strong wind gusts and uh, they've shut down the ski resort in spite of the blessed snow because you don't want to be on a ski lift chair when that wind kicks up. I've been there uh, in those chairs, and, buddy, you want to get down as quickly as you can. So they've shut down even the ski resorts, uh, not for too much snow, but for too much wind. Uh, there's been feet of snow, uh, not just inches, but feet of snow dumped in the mountain west. Up to five feet was measured in Sierra Nevada. Uh, about more than a half a foot fell in the mountains of Southern California. Uh, Utah's northern uh, mountain range has over 20 inches. For blizzard warnings in five states from northeast Colorado into western Nebraska, eastern Wyoming, western South Dakota, and southeast Montana. I've been at Big Sky, Montana skiing, and buddy, it can come in there and really pound you with some snow and cold weather. So. Uh, that's where we're going with this. It's going to also wander its way across the Far East and the mid, upper Midwest and the northern Great Lakes and interior parts of the Northeast uh, with heavy snow and increasing winds. So um, uh, it's, it's going to be a trip. It's even going to spread into Wisconsin and northern Michigan. So how much snow? A foot or more snow in the northern plains, uh, including western Nebraska, much of South Dakota. In the east, a lot of snow and ice and um, really some heavy-duty cold fronts uh, in the east as the storm comes across that way. So uh, in Pennsylvania and upstate New York, they may be having, they may receive six inches of snow or more in those areas. So wow, what that will do, obviously, it will drive more people, will it not, to Florida, Oh, my golly. I can't believe it. Oh, boy. Well, you know, here's another story that kind of fits today's um, title of the story. Uh, today's uh, title to the show is More Questions. I, I don't know if you question the whole thing of 
global warming. Um, but I, a lot of people do. I'm one of them. Uh, you know, I, I look at it in a really long, long, long um, view of history and all, all that sort of business before we get into uh, something about endorsing uh, this idea of global warming. But I just got to tell you a couple of things that have struck my fancy as I've researched this issue. I've long been suspicious of electric cars. Uh, I, I, it's okay if you want to, I guess, if you want to dart around the city, although you can't dart around New York City. You know, what kind of city are we talking about? I don't know. Maybe parts of Gainesville. I don't know. I drove around Gainesville yesterday. It was just a mess. Uh, dense traffic, tall buildings. Uh, I didn't even recognize it. And, of course, I think I know what is going on with all these tall apartment complexes close to the university off of university campus. I think the university is getting ready to use its dorms for other things other than housing students. And I think in the next four or five years, you're going to see these students put into these off-campus housing uh, places. Um, that's what I've been told by people who know. And it seems to make perfect sense because you wonder – where are all the people going to come from who, uh, who um, uh, to fill those apartments if you've got on-campus housing? Well, the answer to that is probably going to do away with on-campus housing. They need all that space on campus for other things. So you might be able to, I mean, you, know, you can't even have cars hardly on the University of Florida campus. So you're not going to use the electric car there. Um, what's the deal? Um, well, here's one thing that is really so, and I've been wondering about, is um, the U.S., if this were to be absolutely put into practice, everybody running around in an uh, electric car doesn't have enough fast chargers and, and can't possibly, the fast, quote unquote, the fast charger uh, can charge a vehicle, depending upon the vehicle. We're not talking about a semi-truck. We're not talking about a tractor. I can't see how that would ever be electric. Um, a fast charger, if you can find one, takes about 20 minutes. Um, here, here's the data. There are more than 145,000 places to refuel a gas-powered vehicle. So far, the United States has 11,600 places where any EV can charge quickly. We're talking about quickly in the entire United States, in the entire United States, there are only 11,600 EV stations where you can charge quickly. Uh, the market leader, of course, is Tesla, and uh, it has nearly 16,000 fast chargers for its own drivers. But uh, that is an interesting deal. Is it only going to charge the Tesla? Um, if that's the case, uh, what about the other people who are driving around in these electric cars? It's um, the Biden administration has, for whatever reason, as you know, bought into this notion and wants to speed up the transition to electric fuel. Uh, the, this is all about the climate. Uh, and we've said economically, it's going to lead our country down while. Where's the electric fuel going to be produced? 
is going to be produced in nations that are not harnessed and, and, and restricted by this myth that there's climate change. Um, so the budget now is expected to be, by Biden, about $1.7 billion in tax credits for chargers or other alternative fuel equipment over the next 10 years. And uh, this is going to be a real battle over fight for control about who's going to monopolize the utilities, who's going to own and operate the new sales, uh, who's going to approve the, uh, the regulatory issues, uh, how we're going to uh, structure the rate for these this power source. This is a mess that's not even begun to be straightened out right now. Uh, so the U.S. has only 11,600 uh stations anywhere in the country that can charge within a car within 20, 20 minutes. Now, I don't know how long it takes you to fill your vehicle with gas, five minutes, 10 minutes at the most. Um, another point of contention is going to be, uh, and this is a big article in the journal that's analyzed this, uh, how, how the utility is going to charge businesses for electricity. Are they going to charge them differently? If you think utility rates in Gainesville are screwed up and expensive right now, you wait till you get into this world where you're adding also electric vehicles to the already stressed out Gainesville regional utilities, which is going to be fueled by biomass. Huh? You know, just on the surface, it doesn't make any sense. Um, furthermore, uh, the, and the article here points out that America's vast network of gasoline stations has had a century to mature. Uh, Lewis Oil has been in business since 1962. Um, you know, this is, a, this is a long time coming. So what are you going to try to do? Have a crash course in constructing and changing the society, which you're going to be forcing the society to do by, let's face it, charging fossil fuel in any form exorbitant rates to either produce it or to provide it and then give all kinds of credits to the use of that fossil fuel in the form of electricity on the other end. It doesn't make sense. So um, there's all sorts of practical problems. Uh, communications between the car and the charger have been known to be tenuous. Um, uh, th this whole thing is um, one AJ, J.D. Power found out that one out of every five owners uh, uh, doesn't ultimately charge. Their cars don't, char don't charge when they try to charge them. Um, um, they looked at, for example, the University of California, Berkeley. They had 657 public EV fast chargers in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, and 25% of them didn't work at all. So there you go. I mean, that is that is uh, one part of the component here. Now, the green extremists, on the other hand, the ones who are the extremists who are pushing this are uh, actually uh, making money from it. So the, the Democrats are pushing it, and um, they want to achieve a clean grid, according to Mario Loola, who has analyzed this, uh, by 2050, 
and experts believe that more than 1 million miles of high voltage transmission lines will have to be added to the grid. Oh boy, I won't be around to see that, so you will. And just taking a look at some of my comments here. The um, uh, yeah, electric cars I keep equating with uh, bumper cars at the fair. But anyway, um, also, in order to accomplish this, is going to have to be an expansion of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. Well, you know what that's going to mean. Uh, it's going to mean that the permitting process for natural gas and fossil fuel is going to be more and more difficult. Uh, it's not going to, because they're going to be attempting to wean Americans off oil and gas by constricting supply, right? So what that is going to do, ironically, for the oil companies is boost the prices and maximize profits. You've already seen the prices at the gas pump boost right now. Diesel fuel in the $5 range is putting the farmer out of business. Um, even this push for net zero electricity is counterproductive. Uh, there is a limit, a very serious limit, to how much renewable power like solar and wind can be used while still maintaining a stable grid. Uh, we've got an example, once again, it's California. Uh, the progressive left activists who control the Twitter accounts and the YouTube accounts, all this stuff as we established in the first part of the show, uh, they dream of getting to 80% renewable energy as they get to their goal of net zero. But California is at 34% renew renewable and it's rendered the grid there completely unstable. Um, solar energy is unstable. There are days when the sun doesn't shine. Uh, uh, there have been consequently blackouts at night, especially when the demand for air conditioning is high. Um, nevertheless, believe it or not, California recently voted to phase out gasoline cars. Are you ready for this? By 2035. Phase out gasoline cars by 2035. Well, we know just from the data right now, the analysis that that's impossible without major grid expansions. And the California grid reliability issues are totally unrealistic unless there is some unforeseen revolution in battery technology. Because without that, nuclear power, coal, natural gas, wind, solar, are not gonna be able to supply enough energy for just the state of California alone by 2035. So this transition to electrical electric vehicles is going to be impossible. Are you ready for this? Ironically, without building dozens of new coal and natural gas plants, both of which we did away with here in the city of Gainesville and label them evil because of their alleged climate change contribution, which was not caused, not called climate change then. It's gone through several different names, you recall. Um, so that 
that also, I put that into class today, students, because it is one more example of um, real, real misinformation. I mean, it's just, it's just not, it's really not um, making any sense, even to a quick analysis that I'm sure you can even um, follow very quickly without having done a lot of the digging that we've done. Well, I want to conclude here with analysis of the minds of these people who sell us these bogus products, who run our tech platforms. And it's a pretty darn good analysis of this uh, written by Barton Swain, who's a opinion writer for the journal. And the number one thing that the so-called smart people, now, there's supposedly a smart party. And the smart party is, of course, the Democrats. And in the Democrat party, it's the progressive left who are the elites. We see this now with Musk exposing the arguments inside Twitter. We see it with the censorship of the Ward Scott files. Uh, we see it in the bogus logic of the electric cars. We see it so many different places without really having to look that hard. So what is it that characterizes and defines a so-called, quote, unquote, smart person? And I agree with Barton Swain here. It is uh, someone who has lost the capacity for self-criticism. If you define yourself as superior intelligence, superiorly intelligent, and those as your critics uh, as dumb or deplorable or treasonous or undemocratic or insurrectionists, then what do you need to have self-reflection as a character trait for? If you're going to label those who simply have a discussion, and I'm sure somewhere in the halls of YouTube, I'm labeled. I've been labeled here in the community by the left. I've been called a racist. You know, hey, that's the easiest card of all to play. You don't even have to have any substance to it. Meanwhile, there are black racists all over the place, and usually they're the ones who use the race card and get all the publicity. And that's why I opened the show with this interesting analysis of how Bradley lost his eye, not to a dog, but to a stick. Well, how do we escape this becomes an interesting analysis of, and think about it. Of the left liberal outlook is everywhere. I, you know, I get a kick out of the ABC Evening News with little David Muir. I sit there and watch it just because it's entertaining. I don't learn anything from it. And it's just loaded with exclamatory, over-dramatized discussions that are completely misleading and not very well presented. But 
It's the liberal left outlook. It's expressed everywhere in the media. Even down to one of the real quick examinations is right down to pronouns themselves. What pronouns do you use? Um, hey, you can't use he and she. You can't use his and her. And God forbid, you can't go anywhere. You can't go to the Brittany Griner basketball game. You can't go to the Mary Wise volleyball match without being exposed to a demonstration supporting the notion that there's systemic racism. I'll never go back to a volleyball game. Not as long as that goes on at the University of Florida. Do you mean to tell me that when I go to the University of Florida volleyball game, I have to be reminded that I'm a systemic racist? And you say, well, how does that happen? Well, it's when four of the volleyball players, at least, pictures I've seen sent to me by the research people, are taking a knee during a national anthem. Do I have to be reminded everywhere I go that I need diversity training and inclusion? Do I have to see that reminder of climate change in the ads? Okay, watch a football game without being reminded in the ads of some form of wokeness. And how do you keep your children away from this? How in the world do they grow up with any other point of view but that one? The TV ads are all about sexual identity, transformation, fluidity, binary this and that. In school, race-fixated versions of American history. This is a left liberal outlook that has taken over American culture. As Brian Swain says, it's in corporate boardrooms, it's in government agencies, it's in sports, it's in entertainment institutions, it's in K through 12 education bureaucracies, in universities, in media organizations. This is everywhere. The walls whisper it. And the progressive left does not engage with serious arguments advanced by the other side. They won't even listen to them. Or in our case, they'll remove us completely so that you never hear what I have to say, which is nothing more than questioning the culture. Hence the title of the show today, More Questions. What is to be afraid of if a person has 
a counter opinion. Why you get why does the person who has a counter opinion get labeled extreme or fringe? How does that how does that happen? Then factor in, of course, the catalyst to all this, and that's the election of Donald Trump. That really sent it over, sent them over the edge. And they have been seriously, seriously trying to eliminate his point of view, any of those who hold it, as we know, since he came down the so-called escalator. Meanwhile, what have we had to endure at the hands of these people? Pull out from Afghanistan. Um, makes no sense. The draconian shutdown of the economy for mass. And on and on and on. So I did a little research on all this for you all. I thought I'd share it in the class today to give you something to ponder. Because it's not going to go away anytime soon. Go over to Rumble. Follow us on Rumble. Make a statement. And uh, have a great day. And think for yourself or crying out loud and evaluate where you get your information. Or hug Command Center out.